It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Wednesday hump day edition of the show. A lot to get to on a day that's halfway through your work week. We'll catch up on some of the news around BYU sports in terms of weekly awards and the like. And also continue on with our extended conversation with former BYU defensive star Corbin Kafusi as he talks about his experience at BYU and also examines what he expects to see from the BYU football program during the 2020 season in this coming fall. So a lot to get to on today's show like normal. It's brought to you today by our good friends over at Spavia in Sandy. We'll tell you what they're offering our listeners here in just a little bit. And with that rundown out of the way, let's get going. This is Locked on Cougars for February 26th, 2020. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download this podcast. If you're new to the show, we aim to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news and insider information that you cannot find anywhere else. And thanks again for taking the time to join us here on Locked On Cougars. A uh, lot to get to on today's show. You'll hear more from Corbin Kafusi, former BYU defensive lineman, now an offensive lineman for the New York Jets, coming up in the the next segment or two. Uh, we'll talk with him about what his experience at BYU was like as he looks back now and also some of his uh, thoughts on what he expects to see from the BYU football program going forward now as an alum of that program. So a lot to get to there, but let's start off today talking about some of the other news and notes when it comes to BYU sports that you may have missed earlier on in this week. Let's start off on the men's basketball front. Congratulations to Yoli Childs. He was named West Coast Conference Player of the Week for his efforts in BYU's victories last Last week over Santa Clara and obviously the upset over Gonzaga with his 28.10 rebound performance, leading all scorers and rebounders in that game in both departments. So well-deserved honor for Yoli Childs. I really feel like him coming back to BYU has propelled them just to a magnificent season and it it wouldn't have happened without Mark Pope coming into the program, plain and simple. It was an, it was a master stroke by Mark Pope to convince Yoli Childs to come back to play for BYU. And Yoli Childs is now, I think, the second player this season to be named WCC Player of the Week from BYU, joining uh, TJ Hawes, who earned the honor in December. So congratulations to both of them on that honor. Other news for you guys to cover here is also West Coast Conference Player of the Week awards went out to Riley Jensen McFarland, BYU softball star player. Uh, she batted 429 uh, through five games with six runs, seven RBIs, two home runs, a stolen bla- base, and four walks last week. 
weekend uh, at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. So congratulations to Riley Jensen McFarland. She is married to BYU football player uh, Darius McFarland, if that last name sounds familiar. So she's off to doing good things there on the diamond for BYU women's softball. We'll be looking forward to seeing how they do. And then Mickey Jehanan was named MPSF Defensive Player of the Week for the number two ranked BYU men's volleyball program. The Cougars remain number two in the AVCA coaches poll. They are still number one in the media poll, but Jehanan's just getting it done on both sides, defensively and offensively, but his defensive prowess is what's getting him these weekly awards, it seems like every other week it feels like for the BYU men's volleyball program so congratulations to Mickey Jehanan one of the smartest guys in terms of a student athlete that you'll ever meet 4.0 GPA in computer science just a true brainiac and congratulations to him and one final note for you guys before oh actually two final notes for you before we go here and talk with Corbin Cavusi is congratulations to Sarah Hampson just recently uh, tallied her 300th career block she's been named one of 10 women's college basketball players as a semifinalist for the 2020 Naismith Women's Defensive Player of the Year Award by the Atlanta Tip-Off Club. Uh, the award will be revealed on March 13th. Uh, sorry, excuse me. The finalists will be revealed on March 13th. The winner of the 2020 Naismith Women's Defensive Player of the Year will be announced on April 4th. Hampson has just been a standout player for BYU Women's uh, Basketball and showing extremely well there. And then the final note for you guys here catching up on everything else going on in BYU Sports News this week is the U.S. STFCCCA has pegged BYU Women's Track and Field the number nine team in the country in its new weekly rankings that came out earlier this week. Uh, climbing into the top 10 this week marks the highest indoor national ranking for women's track since 2012. Whitney Orton, the All-American, who has set three different program records already this season, is leading the way for women's track. But congratulations, a top 10 ranking is nothing to overlook, and that's awesome to see for the women's track program. All right, there you go. That's everything catching up on BYU Sports News coming up here in just a second. We're going to talk with Corbin Kafusi about his experience at BYU. As he looks back now, a little more removed from being a BYU Cougar as he's playing in the NFL ranks now, you'll hear from him talk about his experience and up in a little bit. We'll also talk about his expectations for BYU football going forward. Before we do that, though, a reminder that Spavia is a proud partner of us here on Locked On Cougars. They bring the five-star spa resort resort feel to everybody and anybody at a reasonable price. They're located in Sandy, Utah, at 10261 South State Street in Sandy, right near the Mountain America Convention Center. If you know where the uh, the Sonic is there on State Street. They're right next door, speaking of Spavia. And they want to make sure you're taken care of if you need some uh, pampering yourself or if you need somebody in your life needs to be taken care of with a spa visit. They have everything you would need. Couples massages, every type of massage you can imagine. Sports massages, deep tissue, regular massages. I had a sports massage recently, and as I've said multiple times on this podcast, it is the best massage I have ever received. So I would encourage you guys to check out what Spavia is offering our, us listeners of Locked On Cougars. Give them a call, 801-424-7566. Let them know that you're a Locked On Cougars listener, and they'll put together the perfect package for that special someone or just for yourself. They offer uh, package discounts on their spa on their spa products, gifts with purchase, gift card deals. They've got everything taken care of, guys. So once again, give Spa via your business. Give them a call, 801-424-7566. Mention you're a Locked On Cougars listener, and they'll make sure you're taken care of. 
score points and give the gift of ultimate relaxation and pampering. Give the gift of Spavia. Stop by and see him. 10261 South State Street in Sandy. Or once again, the phone number 801-424-7566. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, guys, had a chance to speak with Corbin Kafusi. You heard parts one and two of our conversation yesterday on the podcast. Wanted to get parts three and four in here on today's show. And we're going to start off here with this first part. It's Corbin looking back kind of on his time at BYU, what he takes away from his BYU experience, and how it's really kind of helped him transition into playing in the NFL, and also some of the family connections he's had with his brothers playing in the program, as well as a father, his dad, Steve Kafusi, who was a longtime coach at BYU and remains a coach to his sons now that he's not an official on-field role with the BYU football program. So without further ado, here's part three with Corbin Kafusi right here on Locked on Cougars. All right, talking with Corbin Kafusi, continuing on here, let's talk about your time at BYU because obviously people remember you <laughs> just being a star pass rusher, but also one of the more fun and playful personalities on this team. Mm. Now that you look back on your time at BYU as a whole year removed from it, yeah. what do you remember about it? What have you taken away? I, I loved my BYU experience just overall. It's funny because I always joke with people on my BYU, like when I got my jersey, they give it to you, you know, and it's mounted and it has like a little plaque. My mind says 2011 to 2019. So that's awesome. <laughs> so I had a long time at BYU. You know, I had the mission in between. Correct. I played basketball and football, but I just loved it. I look back and I love my experience. Anything stand out to you now that maybe didn't stand out when we were talking to you, maybe in the lead up to your senior day, et cetera? Um, like with BYU? Yeah, with BYU, just in terms of your experience at BYU. Anything stand out now as you look back a little bit further removed? Um, it's, I don't know, because I think I look back and I'm like, I have no regrets or okay. wish I didn't do anything different just because I had such a good time and... People are like, oh, do you wish that you would have played offensive line while you were at BYU? And it's like, yeah, that would have been nice, but I was loving what I was doing at the time. And so it just, everything works out for a reason. Okay, absolutely. Okay, uh, when it came to what you did in a BYU uniform, I think a lot of people remember you being that spy linebacker. Mm-hmm. What went into that? Did the coaches just say, hey, we need somebody to do this, Corbin, we think you're the right guy for it? What was the reasoning behind that? It was... Uh, because I remember we, we kind of put the spy in mostly my junior year. Yeah. Was that the Khalil and Tate Arizona deal? Yes, I think. Or the year before is like okay. when we started experimenting with okay, it. Okay, gotcha. Okay. And then we kind of solidified it my senior year okay. against Khalil Tate. I gotcha. Okay. But I remember it was like a foreign concept to me. And at first I was like, oh, this will be fun. Like get a roam around because, <laughs> you know, as a defense lineman, you're just like straight ahead type yeah. of thing. Where, But when you're spying, you get a C. But I, I remember specifically against Utah State. Okay. Sione Takitaki and I were the ends my okay. junior year. Yeah. And <laughs> we fought over who got to play the spy as in 
not, neither of us wanted to play the spy. Okay. Because when you're the spy, you don't get a pass rush. Gotcha. And okay. so, like, we would take turns, like, okay, you be the spy this time. <laughs> I get a rush. And he'd be like, no, no, you be the spy and I'll rush. But it was a good concept just because, I guess, and I don't know how it is for quarterbacks, but the coaches were like, hey, you're so big that when you're in the middle, like, you can disrupt a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, you can get in people's faces, you know, they'll they'll see you and – It'll just change the trajectory of everything. And so that was kind of what went into the whole spy process. Well, and you at six foot nine, you're, you become almost a wall in some cases out there on the field, standing up as, as tall as you are, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like even now when I like look at it, when I'd like see some of the film perspective, I'm like, oh yeah, like I guess I do take up a lot of space because I never realize it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, you think you have to see that on film because you think of yourself, you're like, I'm not covering that much ground, but it's like, no, actually I, I am. I'm, I'm taller than these guys. I have more of a, more of a reach on them, et cetera. It's, it's fascinating. Okay. Also during your time at BYU, people remember you blocking a lot of kicks. Mm-hmm. Is that a skill that you learn or is that a skill that you just, it just happens? Like you, they say, go in there and jump as high as you can and tip it. Oh, it's it's definitely a skill that you have to learn. Okay. Because I, I first went in with that whole thought, like, just jump as high as you can. And I was like, oh, yeah, I played basketball. Like, I can jump pretty high. But then you realize, like, there's so much more. Like, you have to take at least three steps of push at a certain angle. Okay. And then you have to get your hands up. And, and you kind of get a feel for where they're going to kick it. So, luckily, by my senior year, the coaches said – like told me I could go wherever I wanted to. Okay. I could like move people around yeah. because even though you might think, I know in some schemes it's like, okay, we think he's going to kick it at this angle. Yeah. Like you get when once you get a filter, you're like, no, it's going to go right here. Like uh-huh. it's not going to go where you might automatically assume. And so yeah. it was nice for me to kind of move people around and I could get right to the block point. So, so you, so you had the, the ability to be like, you know, I'm taking this spot. You, you scoot over here. Essentially. I'm, I'm going right here. Oh yeah. And I remember I got to <laughs> the best times where I got to pick the guys that were pushing for me. Okay. And so I still remember against Wisconsin, uh-huh. coach Kalani called that timeout because yeah. I was gassed. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> if I'm going to try and block this, like I need, he's like, you need some time. And I was at first I was like, oh, I'm good. And he's like, Time out. We'll take another. <laughs> so he saved you on that play. Then. Oh, yeah. And okay. then it was like, okay, I want Kyrus and Metsy to be the guys pushing because okay. those dudes will move people. So it was, I kind of loved it because I got to, you know, put guys where I wanted them. And it kind of set me up for the perfect spot, but yeah. it, was, it worked for us. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you about your time playing for Kalani. Obviously, he got the contract extension this past mm-hmm. season, a big deal in, in that regard. But what do you remember of your time playing for him as a, as a player? As a player, I think the, the greatest part about Kalani is like you, he genuinely cares about you and your success okay. and what you want type of thing, you know? And so he will listen to you and like, let's say if you have a concern and you bring it up with him, he's going to listen to you and he truly wants to find out the best solution to it. I know a lot of times, you know, coaches will just be like, uh, like, don't worry, it'll get fixed as time goes on. But Kalani's the type of dude where he's like, no, I want to hear what you guys have to say and go off of that. So how does he do that? Is he? Ha- I know you, he had the senior leadership council and everything and also had team captains, obviously. But how does he go about getting uh, – getting your guys' perspective? Is it one-on-one meetings or is it in team meetings? How does he go about getting that? Uh, Yeah, he has like a leadership council that he meets with and whatnot. But I think more than anything is that he just would spend time with the players. Okay. You know, maybe it's not like a sit-down interview type of thing, but 
he might talk to you like during practice, might come up to you and, you know, you have a little conversation here and you might be eating and you have a conversation with him here, but it's kind of just the way he is. He's very personable mm-hmm. and that was great. Well, I think most people who have interacted with Kalani understand that he is a, he's a true people person. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When, uh, when you found out about him getting that contract extension, what was your reaction? I was really excited for him. I was like, you know what? He, he needs some more time to, you know, get these. Because any coach, the one thing you want is enough time to show what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so I think with this, it'll help give him that time he needs to truly, like, put his vision into effect. Well, I think most people would say, well, he's had four years. But you have to realize, like you, you said, on your plaque... 2011 to 2019. Yeah. He's had the majority of his recruiting classes have been out on missions for the last two or three years. And they're finally now just filtering back into the program. So what you say, I think absolutely has credence because other programs, four years probably is enough time to show up. But Mm -hmm. BYU with how many guys go on missions, I think that it's a little slower of a process. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a totally different process when you factor in missions and just recruiting classes. And so that's why it can take a little bit longer and whatnot. So as a return missionary, a guy who comes back from a mission, how difficult is it really to get back into playing shape? Oh, this question is, it's hard for me to answer because uh-huh. I feel like I wasn't, I'm not, my mission was so different. Yeah, because you went to Korea. Because I went to Korea. Yeah, South Korea. I guess yeah, I South say. Korea. And I, I grew three inches and like, I kind of like manned up on my mission. Okay. You know, I, I'm a super late bloomer. And so I still had a lot of baby fat in college. Like when I first came my freshman year and didn't know what to do with my body, but my mission, like I didn't even work out like crazy hard on my mission. I did the normal 30 minutes a day. Okay. Yeah. But when I came back, I was kind of like a man. And okay. so my body was way different. So I came back and I was able to run way faster than before, jump way higher. Okay. Like it was a total, it was like a, an extreme makeover. Hold me. on. So you're the guy that the opposing coaches talk about going on a mission and coming back Superman. No, yeah, that's kind of what it was. <laughs> like, and even I still remember like Bronson because we tested everything yeah. and like Bronson was like, and my dad were losing their minds because yeah. I came in and I remember like the first week I did a vert and it was like, you just jumped 36 inches after mission and you just like ran like this. I like the beep test. The yeah. only guy that had beaten me in the beep test was Mitch Matthews. And I was like, I was like, and how long off a mission were you? I was uh, like maybe three weeks off. So dude, it was just like, yeah, I had like grown up. Yeah. And it was great. Cause for me, I was like, Oh, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. You <laughs> <laughs> was promised that this is, this is going to happen for you. But oh, it finally came to fruition. Oh, I always tell people like, I got my testimony prayer because when I was a little kid, I used to pray all the time. Like heavenly father, I'm not tall, I'm not strong, and I'm not fast, and I'm not good looking. My brother is all of those things. If I could just have one of those. We're talking about Bronson, obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, if I could just have one, that'd be great. And it took a long time, and then I, you know, I kind of got a few of those, but it took okay. some time. <laughs> so, Corbin Kafusi, from now on, if we're not, because we hit in the media all the time when we talk to opposing coaches, mm-hmm. these guys go on missions, they come back men. 
You are the poster child for what they're talking about, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, we will point them in your direction. <laughs> exactly. Next All right. Coming up in a minute, Corbin and I are going to speak about his ex- expectations for the BYU football program in 2020 and beyond. I can tell you guys this much. We'll give a little bit of a spoiler. He's bullish on BYU, as I have been as well. We'll get to that here in just a minute. A reminder for you guys, though, when you're out and about driving around in your vehicle, if you just got downtime at your house, tell your smart device, play the latest episode of the Locked On Cougar podcast to stay up to date with everything going on in BYU sports news. As I say all the time, we aim to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news and insider information that you cannot find anywhere else. So make sure to tell your smart device, play the latest episode of Locked On Cougars, and be the smartest BYU fan in the room. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, part four of my conversation with Corbin Kafusi coming up right now. We're going to talk about what his expectations for BYU are going into the 2020 season. Tell you this much, Corbin is very high on BYU's chances and has high expectations for, uh, uh, well, just high expectations is him being an alum of the BYU football program and knowing a lot of these guys who are still on the roster. So without further ado, here's more from Corbin Kafusi with myself right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Corbin, let's talk about the current state of the BYU football program. You have a younger brother, obviously, Devin, still playing in the program down there. What was your takeaway from this past season? I know you were watching it from afar, obviously, playing with the New York Jets, but what was your perception of the season? You know, I think, I think they did a lot of good things this year, but I also think there's a lot to grow on. And I think mainly that it's going to come down to the leadership, like the player leadership coming into this next year. Okay. Especially with guys, you know, that had the option to leave, like Kyrus or Matt Bushman coming back. It's all going to come down to leadership. And it's weird because I feel like now there's a shift in football in general, but just the types of upbringings kids have. Okay. You know, when I was in high school, there wasn't social media. We didn't have smartphones and you stuff. You both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then now everything is social media and kids get so much hype from this and that. And I think some kids come into college or come into the next level thinking that they're the guy yeah. when it's completely different, you know? And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to a lot of leadership and pushing, getting everyone together on the same page and pushing them in the right direction. This may be just my perception, but I'm looking at this program. The past two seasons are actually skewed relatively young. We're talking about guys like Zach Wilson, the offensive lineman there in the program. Oh, yeah. Some of the defensive linemen. Just the program in general has been young, and I feel like in this 2020 season coming up, mm-hmm. they're finally going to start becoming the old dogs. You have juniors and seniors on the roster in large majority versus freshmen and sophomores. Do you yeah. see that too? Yeah, and that's what I think is going to be a huge difference because when my senior year, we had a lot of seniors. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of guys that kind of, you know, knew how things worked and kind of directed people to get there. And, and not that they didn't have that last year, but even now this coming year, they're going to have way more of a presence with that. How much does experience play into being a successful college football player? I think it plays a huge amount. More than experience like in the game, it's just experience in the program. Okay. Because you can... Even the guys that, you know, seniors that haven't, you know, played or had a huge impact on the team, mm-hmm. they have their impact in the locker room, in the weight room, okay. in workouts. They, 
they are the ones that I think you need the most to help steer guys the right way. So the, you're talking about more like guys like they kind of set the tone, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Oh yeah, for just, sure. Just guys who were there, they've been through it and they're, they're leading the way for these young bucks who just joined the program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, I know that you spent a year obviously in the NFL at this point, but now as you look at guys on the roster, particularly the offensive or defensive line, they're guys that you look at your brother, maybe perhaps that you say, okay, this guy could be a breakout star for this team. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think there's a lot of guys and another thing that factors into it for me is yeah. that I've, I've like seen these guys, you know, even though it's been a year, like a lot of the guys I still know. You're still familiar with them, yeah. And like I can see that they're starting to kind of bring out their potential, okay. but, which is kind of nice for me because I'm like, oh, there's that. Like I knew you had it in you just waiting to see it. So who are some of those guys? Do you have anybody in mind in particular? Um, there's a, well, everyone knew that Kyrus, yeah, he's a, he's a monster, Yeah. but I think he's still like, there's still so much he could do. Uh-huh. Like he's already a beast and like you see huge glimpses of it. And I think this year is going to be awesome because he's going to finally like truly show people turn all the heads, you know, everyone's okay. heads kind of turn, but now yeah. everyone's, he's going to show everyone why he is the way he is. Okay. Um, even, you know, Lopa, yeah. uh, Uriah, Uriah Leotawa. Yeah. yeah. Leotawa. He, he has a ton of potential and like, I, I saw him take a huge step this year uh-huh. for him. Um, I don't want to be biased and say my little brother, but <laughs> Hey, you got to put the pressure on him. Obviously. Oh, oh yeah. There's definitely, we definitely put some good pressure on him, but he has, I've said it before and my brother Bronson has too. Like he has the most talent out of either of us. Okay. So he pulls that out. That'll be huge. And then even on the offensive line, there's a lot of guys that are great. Great. And like you said, young. Yeah. So, so Brady Christensen. Uh, oh yeah. Okay, so, Brady, a lot of people are projecting is going to be an NFL draft pick as an offensive tackle. They just have, they see the natural ability in him. Now that you're playing left tackle in particular, the position he plays for BYU, what do you see from him in particular? I just, I still remember like going up against him and being uh-huh. like, oh, this guy, Brady can play. Uh-huh. And now that I watch it from the other side, it's, he can definitely play and he definitely has the things you want in an offensive lineman. Okay. And so it's, I, I won't lie. I found myself like watching him be like, okay, I'm going to try that. Cause you know, Brady, he knows what he's doing. And so he's, he's already been, he's a great player. Like I'm excited to see where he goes. I think he definitely could make it the next level. I know you have familiarity with Zach Wilson. Obviously he had injuries this past season and we had th- three different quarterbacks, one games from BYU this year, yeah. which is crazy. Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney and Zach mm-hmm. Wilson. When you look at these guys playing quarterback for BYU, I know you didn't play on the offensive side of the ball at BYU, but what has kind of been your perception watching these guys play and succeed all at quarterback? Uh, I, I think the thing for me when I wa- was watching each, because I've watched each of them, you know, is they, yeah. they each had their runs, yeah. which was awesome. First of all, all, all of them are great on foot. Okay. You know, they yeah. can all like make plays on foot if they need to, but I love that they each have a different playing style. And you can see it very clearly. And so as an offensive lineman, it's great. It's, it's great because you know they can all make plays, mm-hmm. but then it's going to come down to you've got to get familiar with one. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because you're not, you don't, as, I, 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 I don't mean to interject here, but I think you guys are creatures of habit as an offensive No, lineman. yeah, absolutely. And when you have a quarterback that plays a certain way, you get used to protecting in a certain way. And all of a sudden that's up, they throw another guy in there. It's like, okay, now I got to switch how I'm playing to fit this guy. Yeah, exactly. Because you know every play you're going to do your best to protect the quarterback or do what the play is meant to do. But guys have different tendencies, 
And so getting used to them is huge. And so I give props to the BYU offensive line for, you know, being able to switch it up as, you know, guys came through. And so it'll be interesting to see this next year what happens with, you know, that whole situation with the different quarterbacks and, you know, vying for the position. What are your expectations of the BYU football program as an alum of the program? I, I keep my expectations super high. You know, I, ever since I was a kid and I was a big BYU fan, like my expectations is you've got to win. If you're not going to win all the games, then you better win almost all the games. Okay. You know? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get so, it. And, and this year, this next year, I expect them to do really well. You don't want to put a number at all. I, I don't want to put okay. a number specifically on it, but yeah. I, I expect them to do way better than last year. Not saying they didn't do great last year, yeah. but I think that they'll be able to take a bigger step this year. Well, I think most BYU fans would kind of agree with you in that assessment because they look at games last year. They look at the USF. They look at the Toledo game. They look at what happened in the Hawaii Bowl against the University of Hawaii. You come up a player too short, and guess what? You take a loss versus a game that otherwise you may have taken a win from and would have changed the perception of a season. Yeah. Exactly. I know because when you're so engrossed with the with the Jets and everything, how closely were you watching the program this past season? Um, I I tried to watch as much as I could, but like yeah. you said, it's such a different beast. You know, there was days where Bronson and I would go from basically five in the morning till seven at night, mm-hmm. and then come home, and you got to go right to bed because you're waking up at five again, <laughs> and so. Like, we would always try to catch the games, and especially if we had the weekend or whatnot, we'd try to catch or rewatch games. Luckily, social media, we see all the big plays and whatnot, but I won't lie, it was probably the hardest time I've had trying to keep up with, you know, BYU football. Well, even because you're on the East Coast, I've heard from East Coast BYU fans that BYU plays a lot of these late games, and that's 10.30 sometimes, 10.45 on the East Coast before it kicks off. Exactly. I just, I, I don't, I, I, I would struggle just speaking as a guy who, if I had to cover a team that was two time zones behind me, it'd be so tough to cover. Yeah, that was, that, I didn't know that how big of a problem, because I've heard it too from yeah. East Coasters, and then finally when I experienced it, I was like, yeah, that's real, and we were, I was living with Bronson, and he has a newborn baby, and Correct. it's like, we can, you can't make a noise, you know, you're just trying to be like, watch this game. And you're so tired. You're yeah. just like, oh. <laughs> Eventually, so off to the, hats off to the East Coast watchers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Eventually, you're saying, okay, you know what? I'm calling it a night. I'll catch you guys <laughs> yeah, in the Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> absolutely. All right, uh, Corbin, last couple of things here before we let you go. You uh, obviously grew up a BYU guy. Your dad coached the BYU for so many years. So you have a unique perspective on the BYU football program just because you've had a dad as a coach mm-hmm. and who coached at BYU for so many years. Spent time at the University of Utah before that. He played at BYU as well. The Kafusi clan has put all kinds of athletes at the collegiate level, but in particular at BYU. It started with your dad. Obviously, his brothers played a large role. And now it's your kind of your generation is all breaking through here. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? And kind of did you see that coming growing up? It's weird because growing up, you didn't see it coming, but it was almost like it wasn't a surprise. Okay. Because we grew, I grew up going to BYU football camps. We, it'd kind of be our fun week. Okay. In the summer where all of our cousins would come stay at our house. So (laughs) you got 20, 20 dudes sleeping in the basement and every night we were playing, you know, night games or playing cops and robbers running all over the Uh city. And to be honest, like, when everyone came, when they started coming to BYU, 
It's just like, oh, we're used to this. We're used to all the guys down here at BYU. So it's been so sweet, though. Like, I look back on it now with a little bit different perspective. I'm like, it was amazing that I got to play with multiple cousins and, like, brothers. So it was sweet. So it was a true family reunion when you had all the cousins in town, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) When Is your dad your biggest critic as a player? Oh, yeah. Because he has the coaching reference? Yeah. Like, when... (laughs) Especially when he was my coach at BYU. Yeah, because he spent time as your coach, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, and I had heard from Bronce a little bit about <laughs> okay. it. Because growing up, I was kind of the kid in the family that wasn't very athletic. And well, you so, mentioned the whole praying, like, hey, I need one of these oh, things. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was like, okay, Bronson's going to – we're going to put Bronson in AAU and Corbin can do – an art program at the rec. Like that was, I was that kid, you know, where it's like, he's still figuring out what he likes to do. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) And so, but Bronson would always tell me like, Oh yeah, dad, dad's tough on us. Like way more than the other players. And I was like, Oh sure. And then when he was my coach, I was like, Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) But it was good for us. It, It helped us a ton. So I know obviously you and Bronson are close. I don't think you guys ever played together at BYU, if I'm not mistaken. We didn't. So yeah. how cool is it now that you guys are on the same in the same NFL franchise? Oh, it's it's a dream come true. Uh-huh. We always it's funny because we always talked about how at BYU we were gonna have this time together where we played together and we'd live together and be roommates and that never happened. Yeah. And now it's funny that oh we just had to wait till the, NF, the next level to do that. <laughs> well, and it seems like it's a, it would be a pretty rare thing to see to see two brothers from the same family playing for the same NFL franchise. Yeah, like I know there's a couple other others that are like that, but it's super rare. But I I enjoy it because one Bronson, they knew what kind of person I was based off of Bronson. Okay, like Bronson when I got there. They knew Bronson because he was a hard worker. Uh-huh. You know, he's kind of the first one in, last one out kind of guy. And he was a good dude. Uh-huh. Like, a lot of people were... I was, I was pleased to go in and see how many people respected Bronson for that. And I think, you know, they took a shot on me because of that. They're like, okay, if he works like Bronson, then we can definitely take him. Well, any uh, final thoughts from you that you'd like to pass on to BYU fans? Ooh, any final thoughts? I... <laughs> I'm just excited. Okay. I'm excited for, like, be ready for this next year because some big things are going to happen. Well, you obviously said you have the expectation these guys are going to go out and win a bunch of games this year in your mind. Oh, absolutely. Not just win. I think they're going to do it in a way that's just they need to dominate. Okay. You know, they're going to come out and dominate teams, and it's not going to be surprising to me because I know these dudes and I know what they can do. All right. Corbin, I can't thank you enough for taking all the time, but it was a blast to catch up with you. No worries. Thanks for having me. There you go, Corbin Kafusi, and once again, can't thank him enough for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. Please let him know that you enjoyed having him on the show. Tweet at him, at Corbin Kafusi on Twitter. Reach out on Facebook if you're friends with him as well. It was a blast to have him on the show and can't thank him enough. Like I said, we spoke for over an hour, and I think we played about 40 minutes of that conversation that was on air with us. So it's a blast to catch up with Corbin, and like you said, he doesn't have a number he wants to put on in terms of wins for BYU football, but... But he knows that they can do better than they did in 2019, and he expects them to do better in 2020. And we'll see if his brother can ultimately live up to the family expectation of being the best athlete, the best pass rusher for BYU. Speaking of Devin Kafusi, who is on the roster for BYU still. But once again, a big thank you to Corbin Kafusi for joining us here, and a big thank you to all of you who support this show each and every day. Our audience numbers continue to climb month over month, and it's a credit to you guys who keep coming back and listening to this podcast 
podcast. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you guys for your support of the show. Uh, of course, we'll have more for you guys tomorrow. We're going to do a mailbag on tomorrow's show. So if you have questions about BYU sports, football, basketball, or pretty much anything, not even BYU related, if you've got questions about life, feel free to send them in to our Twitter feed, at Jacob C. Hatch. That's my personal Twitter feed. You can follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Locked On Cougars. Check us out there. Or, of course, you can drop us a note with a question via email, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. All right, we will talk to you guys soon. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for February 26, 2020, and we will talk to you tomorrow. members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.